A FAM production. Furniture and mattress. FAM.news. Wayfair CEO Nershaw talks growth and future state with Ray Alagreza. Hey fam, it's Adrian, and I am coming to you from the newly captioned Furniture and Mattress. We are no longer just about all things mattress, and I can't think of a better way to embark upon our furniture journey than with an interview that Ray Alagreza conducted with Nershaw, who everyone should know is the CEO of Wayfair. If you're in the home furnishings industry, everyone knows who Wayfair is. And whether you love them or you hate them, there's simply no denying that the tech company has had an impact on home furnishings over the last 10 years. Ray Alagreza is the fam's newest editor at large and is currently the executive director at the IHFRA. And he said he saw this coming, and that's why he brought Wayfair co-founder Nurse Shaw to speak to several hundred industry leaders at a conference he hosted in 2008. He told us that he remembered that Shaw told the audience that customers were buying furniture from him online, and most people at the conference actually scoffed at the idea. Now, 13 years after that presentation, Alagreza caught up with Shaw to talk about the myriad of changes impacting Wayfair and the entire home furnishing sector. Shaw also offered his take on where we are headed, where he thinks retail will look like going forward, next-gen retail technology systems, and a whole lot more. We're going to review their interview and then link to everything in the show notes. So Ray started out by just asking Shaw, can you share the backstory of how and where you were when you and your co-founder, Steve Conan, met and came up with the initial business plan for Wayfair? Shaw responded, I first met Steve during my senior year of high school when I'd attended a six-week summer program at Cornell University. We were friendly, but didn't really keep in touch after the program ended. Then, a year later, once I'd started at Cornell as a freshman, Steve and I happened to wind up living in the same dorm, just a few doors apart. We were both engineering students and got along very well, and actually ended up living together our junior and senior years. In the last semester of our senior year, Steve and I enrolled in an entrepreneurship course, and one of our projects was to write a business plan. The entire process, thinking about what kind of business we would run, led to what would become our first business, Spinners, which was essentially an internet consulting company that built websites for businesses, as many of them didn't have an internet presence at the time. That was really the first start of our entrepreneurial journey, which ultimately led to Wayfair as we know it today. So Rife continued on, so it appears, at least to me, that you guys never had to break a sweat to raise money from investors. Was that actually the case? And if so, why was that? Shaw responded by saying, we didn't raise any money outside capital for the first 10 years of our business. It was a completely bootstrapped operation. My co-founder, Steve, and I would field customer service calls from the basement in our very earliest days. We would receive feedback from customers about the site, hang up the phone, and then immediately turn around and fix it. I think that an entrepreneurial ownership-oriented mindset became a real part of our culture as we grew. Everyone aligned on long-term outlook and felt invested in what we were building, so there was a laser focus on creating a best-in-class experience that has not let up to this day. By remaining self-funded for so long, we had the ability to focus on innovation, customer service, and efficiency. In other words, we developed a business model that worked. 
Keep in mind, we started the company in 2002 when it might have seemed risky to start an e-commerce company, but when you're committed to a long-term vision and build a team that can overcome short-term challenges together while building the right mousetrap, the results will follow. Ray continued and said, I believe you two started out online in 2002 selling storage units for CDs and other small storage items. From day one, you and Steve were resolute that online retail was the way to go. What convinced you that this was the right channel to launch with, especially since the dot-com bust was still fresh on a lot of minds? Shaw responded by saying, it was really pretty clear to us that online retail was the future, even in the midst of the dot-com bust. In fact, during that time, we noticed that many niche businesses were finding success online where others had not. Customers had begun to realize that they could turn to the internet to find a much larger selection of those items compared to what may, may be available to buy locally. For example, if a customer wanted to buy a birdhouse from a brick and mortar store, they may have one of two places in town that sold them, and those stores may offer only three or four different options. But online, they could choose from hundreds of different options and also have it delivered directly to them. As a business owner, too, it's much more feasible to run a business selling birdhouses online than it would be to just open a traditional brick and mortar specialty stop for a niche product like that. And this just wasn't for birdhouses, but for all sorts of products. After doing a lot of research, we confirmed that there is potential to build a successful business in this space, and we launched our first site, which was racksandstands.com. Ray asked, at one point, operating a CSN store, you operated well over 200 product-specific sites. What were the upsides and downsides to that? The upsides to this model were that each site we launched served as a massive learning opportunity, allowing us to grow our cumulative knowledge and apply the things we learned from one site to the next. For example, with our first site, racksandstands.com, we learned not only how to execute a successful business concept, but also how to deliver a great shopping experience to our customers. We took all of these learnings and brought them to the next product opportunity, and then the next, and then the next. But one of the downsides to this was that even though a customer had a wonderful experience on one of our sites, they didn't know they could have that same great experience at our other sites. Because of the customer, they didn't seem connected at all. This also made it very difficult for us to cross-promote or recommend different products to a customer who may very well have been interested in buying them. If a customer was visiting our site for, say, a grandfather clock, we weren't in a great position to easily recommend other non-grandfather clock items to them for which they may have been very well interested in purchasing. In that sense, there was a lot of missed potential that we weren't able to capitalize on with this model. Ray said, okay, but by 2011, you brought everything under one roof called Wayfair. So talk to me about the reasoning to do that and the challenges and opportunities that came with that move. Was there ever any second guessing to that decision? Shaw responded, by that time, CSN Stores was already a successful business, and changing that successful model was inherently risky. But we realized that in order to capture the bigger opportunity in the home category, we'd need to consolidate everything into one strong, singular brand. One of the reasons for this was that we'd learned doing so would unlock more repeat business from our customers. For example, if a customer had purchased a grandfather clock from us for their new home, it's unlikely that they're going to purchase another one anytime soon. 
but they may be interested in purchasing other items for their home as well. Being able to offer and recommend our other products to customers as a singular brand unlocked a massive opportunity for all of us. Of course, creating and building a brand is not easy. To do so take as it takes a lot of time to develop that brand's identity and establish it in the customer's mind. But we were confident that doing that work up front would pay off in the long run, and it led us to a strong Wayfair brand that people know today. Ray asked, but critics often maintain that your operating costs are much higher than any competitor like Overstock. How do you respond to that? Shaw said that building a lasting company requires a balance of ambition and recognition, and that true durability isn't built overnight. The foundational work we've done to create an enduring business and a meaningful connection that we have nurtured with our customers continues to compound and validate our approach. Ray said that a few years ago, professors at Emory College and Wharton alleged that not as a fault of your company, but as a fault of the furniture category, Wayfair spent approximately $69 to acquire a new customer, but lost $10 on that customer over time. Do you think that that's an accurate statement? And if so, how do you counter that? Shaw responded and said that when it comes to growing our customer base, we have a highly analytical marketing team that's steering towards ROI and payback targets that are finely tuned across all the channels. They have focused on the new customer acquisition, but also driving repeat purchasing and maximizing lifetime value. We are laser focused on ensuring that recently acquired customers turn into loyal repeat customers. The average Wayfair customer visits the site nine times and browses across 29 products as a part of each purchase cycle. As investors have noticed our business is a profitable one and that the quantitative approach lets us both have ambition in investing into the business while also ensuring that we have great financial outcomes and profitability. But Ray asks, so how do you get customers to return to you on a frequent basis so that you can lower your marketing cost? Also, how do you do that with your existing customers for home furnishings, considering they probably don't need to buy a new sofa multiple times a year? Shaw said that what's important to us is giving each customer a world-class experience that they can't get anywhere else. During the height of the pandemic, when more and more people had to reassess their spaces to suit their lifestyle changes, and people who hadn't been a part of the step change in e-commerce adoption tried out Wayfair for the first time, these customers experienced the many features that make Wayfair unique and have kept our tens of millions of customers returning again and again, an unparalleled product selection, a rich interface for browsing, inspiration and product discovery, and customer service and delivery that are tailored especially for the home category. We view the shift towards e-commerce as a secular one. We fully expect it to continue and believe that the differentiated features of our business model will remain fundamental to our success. Ray said, okay, but you started out as a two-man operation. You now have well over 16,000 employees, and in addition to your activities here in the States, you also operate in Canada, the United Kingdom, and Germany. With that in mind, how has your role and the role of Steve changed over the years? Shaw said that Steve and I spent the early days doing literally everything, developing the site, bringing new suppliers on board, handling customer service issues, you name it. As we gained momentum, we started to build out our team with smart, ambitious people. What's important to us then and now is ensuring that good ideas can come from anywhere and that we have a high degree of trust. As entrepreneurs, autonomy has always been important to us, and we've recognized that it is the key 
to unlocking innovation. To make that work, you need communication and transparency. We're continuing to learn every day and are constantly asking ourselves, how can we help guide and collaborate the smart decision-making, even in the face of risk and ambiguity? Once a business reaches the scale that we have, I think that leaders need to set aside the vision and strategy in a way that resonates so that your entire team is motivated and knows how to support each other day in and day out, even amidst uncertainty. Ray followed up. So while most people think of Wayfair as a dominant e-tailer, which it is, you've also invested heavily as a provider of state-of-the-art logistics. How many of the thousands of products you offer does your own logistics operation touch? Also, how has your move as a logistics provider helped you with your own supply chain since the pandemic? Shaw said that today, our logistics network consists of 17 warehouses and over 18 million square feet across North America and Europe. 90% of our U.S. large parcel orders flow through the Wayfair-controlled Middle Mile Network, and our last mile delivery facilities cover 70% of the U.S. large parcel deliveries. Our international supply chain offers suppliers a suite of door-to-door services, helping them get products from their manufacturing sites directly to customers' doorsteps through Wayfair. Obviously, this unlocks fast shipping and a great post-order experience to customers, but for our supplier partners, many of which are entrepreneurs growing small businesses themselves, it also offers exceptional value by providing end-to-end convenience and the ability to scale quickly on the Wayfair platform. We're continuing to reap the benefits of our long-term orientation to scaling and making strategic investments over time. We have created a massive, flexible supply chain network that's powered by scalable, agile tech infrastructure, which makes us uniquely positioned to meet the demand under any circumstances. Ray said that it seems like e-tailers continue to take on more of the characteristics of brick-and-mortar retailers and vice versa. Do you agree, and do you see that trend continuing? Shaw said that it's all about creating a great experience for the customer. Home is an interesting category. When it comes to developing an offering that meets the unique needs of customers, it's highly visual. It's often tough to describe your very own style. It's often browsed and inspiration-driven rather than searched, and some categories require specialized knowledge. Not to mention, shipping big and bulky items that don't fit in an envelope is quite the challenge. Whether your experience you're building is digital, brick and mortar, or a combination, it starts with understanding your customer and their needs. From there, you can create opportunities that surprise and delight in a variety of ways. So Ray continued, along those lines then, can you give us a progress report about brick and mortar store you opened in 2019 at the Natick Mall? Will there be more to come? Any plans for another outlet store similar to the one you operate in Kentucky? Shaw said, we have a test and learn culture, so evaluating the best ways to engage with our customers will always be a part of our approach. The Natick store and other series of pop-up shops provided opportunities for us to experiment with physical retail and different ways to showcase our vast selection of products and reinforced our best-in-class shopping experience. We are now leveraging those learnings to further inform our long-term physical retail plans and are excited to more clearly define the omni-channel shopping experience across Wayfair's family of brands. Ray said, I think we can agree that the only constant in this business has been change. Lots and lots of change. 
How has the Wayfair customer changed over the years, and how and what do you do to maintain customer loyalty? Shaw replied that in some ways, it's not hard to predict what customers will want. There's always an appetite for faster shipping and convenient delivery options. Customers are always looking for the best possible selection of items as well as, and well, we sell more than 22 million for any home need. There are certain things that have become expected of the e-commerce experience as more people shop online. High quality, beautiful product imagery is simply one example. It's no longer nice to have, it's central to decision making. We understand our customers well enough to anticipate many of those shifts and expectations. And when it comes to imagery, we've spent years building a robust library of 3D product renderings, and that library of lifelike digital models helps us create incredible photorealistic imagery at a scale and continue to raise the bar on engaging, inspiring the experience that we've built. Ray said, in my book, all the great companies have great minds, but... They also have generous hearts. So talk to me about Wayfair's heart and some of the ways that it gives back. Shaw said, yes, at Wayfair, giving back is incredibly important to us. One of the ways that we do that is through the strong partnerships and relationships with nonprofit organizations that are doing incredible work in their respective communities. For example, we've been partnering at Homes for Our Troops, a nonprofit organization that builds and donates specialty adapted custom homes nationwide for severely injured post 9 11 veterans since 2018 and recently assisted in our fifth home build. We have had long standing global partnership with Habitat for Humanity to help build and rehabilitate safe and affordable homes. From fundraising initiatives to employee volunteer mobilization to customer engagement opportunities, we're deeply committed to supporting Habitat's mission and ensuring more people have a decent place to live. Earlier this year, we announced a long-term partnership with Community Solutions, which is a nonprofit organization with the goal of achieving a lasting end to homelessness and are donating a total of $1 million to their Built for Zero initiative by the end of the year. We've also announced that we would be donating $30 million towards social impact investments, as well as a $20 million investment in the Black Economic Development Fund, which is an organization that invests in Black-led institutions, anchor institution, and businesses to improve their access to capital and expand economic opportunities in Black communities. We also have our Save Big Give Back campaign, which is one of the ways that Wayfair's key annual events with a percentage of the event sales going directly to select charitable partners, and we also offer customers the opportunity to donate directly at checkout. Thanks to the generosity of our customers, last year's event resulted in a combined $3 million in contributions to Feeding America and the UN COVID-19 Response Fund, which we're very proud of. Our goal is to continue giving back to the many communities in which we operate and to bring to our life the belief that everyone deserves a place that they can call home. Of course, we want to support our people and the communities Wayfarians live in. In 2020, we provided every frontline employee with two free family-sized meals per week from local family-owned restaurants throughout the most difficult months of the pandemic. The initiative supported our teams as well as struggling small businesses in areas across our logistics network. The restaurants could rely on the influx of orders from Wayfair, letting them stay open and retain staff during a time when that was anything but certain for independent businesses. 
Ray continued on to say, okay, back in 2008, when I was the editor-in-chief of Furniture Today, I invited you to speak to several hundred industry leaders who came to our leadership conference. I remember vividly you telling them with confidence, not arrogance, that customers were buying furniture from you online, and that was going nowhere but up. By the looks of the many faces in the room, I don't think they all believed you at the time. Today, perhaps other than I told you so, what would you tell them about Wayfair and e-commerce? Shaw said, I would say that the future of Wayfair and e-commerce in general is very bright. We've got a vision for the future and are well positioned to continue to build upon our growth as we move forward. Wayfair is a technology company, and even in the past 10 years, we've seen tremendous advances in tools and technology. I'm excited to see what the next 10 years will bring and how those advances will continue to push Wayfair forward as a leader in home goods. Check out more audio stories at fam.news, where you're always part of the fam. Fam Fam.news, the only team in the mattress business to bring you audio stories with every story. The way it should be.